Hello, and welcome to the Eisner Emperor podcast series. I'm your host, Alana Margulies Snyderman, and with me today is Nell Stem, Principal at Fairview Partners Investment Management, a private debt investment manager based in Seattle. Today, Nels will share with us the outlook for private debt investing, including the greatest opportunities, challenges, and more. Hi, Nels. Thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah, thanks so much, Elena. Um, very happy to be here. Absolutely. So to kick off the conversation, tell us a little about the firm and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, thank you. So we, Fairview Partners, was formed in 2011 with myself and my partner, Carson Rasmussen. I, I someone who had studied the idea of distressed debt investing for a long time, had always found that to be uh, something that I thought would be intriguing for me and my skill sets. Um, and likewise with Carson, uh, having a, a background in in, in uh hedge fund investing. And so obviously good time at that point in time, great, great financial crisis. So we, we set up shop and we started buying distressed debt on commercial real estate. Um, and we continued to do that to today. We are on our seventh fund today. Um, and at this point we still buy distressed debt and we also originate bridge loans. Uh, high yield bridge loans, I would say things that are distress oriented, very special situations oriented. Um, and on the currently on the distressed debt side, we're kind of buying loans that we we think we can we can work out. We can mostly remain uh, remain a lender as opposed to kind of being in a loan to own situation. Um, and so that's what brings us here today. Great, Nell. So given your focus on private debt investing, love to hear your overall outlook for the space. Sure. So, you know, it's been uh, obviously a, a eventful 2022 with, you know, this kind of historic rise in interest rates. Um, we came into it uh, not exactly that we could predict, uh, you know, obviously the timing or the extent or anything, but being wary of duration risk throughout the market. Um, you know, that was a thing that you could see, you know, simply just the, just the owning of certain pieces of paper, a five or a 10 year piece of paper, um, especially for someone like us, who's, who's, who's targeting higher returns, that's unlikely to be a great, a great place for us. So we, we went away from a lot of those, but there was also a lot of business models that were extremely sort of duration oriented that people didn't really realize are very dependent on low rates. Um, and so you know, those kind of started to roll over last year. And a lot of people have, you know, kind of tapped out and left the space in various ways. Um, you know, maybe they have problems getting their lines of credit, keeping their lines of credit or, or running a syndication model or something like that. You know, we're, we're a, a very lightly, an unlevered or lightly levered kind of operation. So, you know, we, we kind of look to the native returns of the of the asset itself, um, and and we use and we use sort of moderate leverage, um, and so there's you know kind of a big, decent size unwinding of a lot of that in the private debt side. Um, so we've seen a lot of pullback from competitors, and and we we've still been here lending. Um, so we've been able to achieve our our rates, which are are higher, and we never really moved them down a ton um, through the big boom. And so now people are just sort of coming back to our level. I think there's a reason I got into distressed debt investing and that's because, you know, I maybe have 
sort of a skeptical view of, of the overall financial markets and kind of the banking system. Um, and you can see the troubles that are in the banking system. I mean, that's the, everything that we saw at the beginning of 2023. That's that's kind of why we set up our firm, because we were not necessarily enamored with the fractional reserve banking system and, and kind of the way that it operates where you're, you know, you're using overnight deposits to hold, you know, 10-year bonds and loans and things like that. And so the people that were really poor at that um, went quickly. But I think now you'll start to see some of the other people who maybe weren't as egregious as a Silicon Valley bank or a First Republic bank still come under a lot of pressure. And that's where people like us, where we're raising money um, from, from investors to kind of, you know, again, not do a highly levered situation and just provide uh, capital into these situations, I think we're going to continue to do really well. Great, Nils. And more specifically, where do you see some of the greatest opportunities looking ahead and why? Yeah, I mean, I think in loan purchases, I think there's going to be a big delevering um, from the banks, basically. And so you're already seeing that. Uh, you saw Pacific Western Bank sell several billion dollars of assets. Frankly, just the signature bank transaction, while well, they they, they you know, got taken over by the FDIC. That's $30 billion of, um, of debt being sold, we think, later in the summer of real estate debt. You know, that's more than the FDIC sold over like a decade. And so that's just one bank. Um, so, you know, I think it depends on, on, on how the banking system continues to evolve. But clearly, they're going to need to either take combinations of sort of raising capital, selling loans, and, you know, we think they're going to sell a lot of loans. So we think that the loan purchase space will be a really great place to be. And then, you know, sort of these high yield situations where we're, we're navigating the bankruptcy system, we're dealing with a more kind of obscure bucket of collateral where we, maybe we can tie someone up. It's not just a single asset. It's, you know, kind of multiple of a portfolio where we, we do rescue financing in that sense. So we think for both of those, that's what puts us in, you know, kind of mid mid to high teens returns, which is what we've targeted and what we've achieved on several of our funds. And, uh, and I think can achieve on on uh, the funds that we're investing in right now as well. Nels, on the other hand, what are some of the greatest challenges you face and how are you trying to conquer them? I mean, it's, you know, it's still a competitive market. I think that if you look at, you know, people that had done investing uh, in our style of investing in the, you know, in the nineties or something like that, you know, there just weren't as many people. Maybe I wouldn't have been, maybe I wouldn't have been doing this. Maybe I would have been an engineer or something like that. So I think it's a, it's a robust marketplace and it's a competitive marketplace, but at some points in time, I, I think it breaks open. And, and also I think you're, you're, you're getting to a point where again, some people's business models just didn't really even make it through, you know, just, just a little bit of distress that we've seen. And so, you know, the people that are left over, you know, have a little bit better opportunity. But, you know, when they're still selling, performing loans and things like that, I mean, they're still tight, you know, kind of tight to the spreads that you would expect and different things like that. So we're always here looking for some kind of edge. And I think that's where looking as versus we're, we're trying to a lot of times look at other lenders and say, hey, why do they have that? They have some requirement. Is that a requirement that's necessary for us or is that a requirement that's only necessary for them? You know, banks have requirements because of how their capital structure is. But, you know, if a banker goes 
and then starts a private debt fund and he takes his entire banking mentality over to a private debt fund, that may not be the best situation for him. And so we're looking at, you know, what are these conventional ideas that the bank, that, that, that conventional permanent lending came up and with us as an unlevered, kind of an unlevered investor in this place, um, maybe there are things that we can do that other people can't. Like I know private debt funds that, you know, there could be an asset that has a lease on a property and it's got five years left on the lease to a top credit tenant, but the tenant has moved out and it, it's, it's dark, you know, and it's like, well, you could underwrite, you know, you can underwrite the cash flow on that and all that, but they're, they, they can't do that. That's they're, they're limited in, in doing that. We're going to look at that opportunity and see, you know, what's going on. Again, we look at like additional collateral. So some people can only underwrite just the primary property where we could underwrite the primary property and different, different pieces of maybe smaller, less prominent collateral that someone could bring in to make us a package. And so that's where that, that's where we're meeting the challenges, I guess. So uh, the primary challenge is a competitive market and then trying to find ways to, um, to deal with that. Nels, we've covered a lot of ground today and wanted to see what your future plans are or if there are any other final thoughts you'd like to share with us. Um, no, I, uh, there are a few, a few final thoughts, but I, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity. I think people should consider the levels of risk that they're taking. I think there are people that might be taking risks that they, they haven't fully grasped. And I think that 20, the first part of 20, I think 2022 and the first part of 2023 were, were great examples of that where people are saying, wow, I was, I was making an unsecured loan to a bank. I had no idea. I mean, in the end, I got bailed out, but I was making a loan to Silicon Valley Bank and I was making very, very little money for it. That's what a bank deposit is, right? Or, oh, it sounded nice to have a U.S. government bond that, you know, that's five years or 10 years. Well, you know, you lost 20 or 30 percent or more in your U.S. government bond, right? So I think there's a lot of you know, we're a shop that's very much around, you know, sort of avoiding levels of conventional thinking that can get people into trouble and finding the little areas where you can, you know, you can take those to your advantage. And so I think just evaluating, you know, what what the risk is, really what is, you know, what is your collateral and what can happen to it? And are you making enough return to, to kind of justify it? So you know, everything that investors ought to be doing. And, you know, that's why we we feel like we're providing an edge in that way of basically providing what our goal is to provide equity level returns with debt levels or risk. Nels, I want to thank you so much for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Emperor podcast series. Visit EisnerEmperor.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Emperor podcast when we get down to business.